Thank you for choosing our podcast. If you'd like more information on how to get connected with our ministry or to financially partner with us, just visit us on the web at citylightsac.org. Today's message is from our series, Truth in a World of Gray. We will be learning how to look through a lens of truth while navigating through today's shifting cultural norms. So prepare your heart for God's truth to be revealed to you through this message. you think the worship team is sounding good this morning? If you have, let them know. I love that song because it makes the speakers rumble. Because it's a profound truth when, he's, when we sing, here's my heart, Lord. Because you know what's interesting? The Old Testament says that your heart's wickedly deceitful. Let me ask you something. Have you ever, you ever followed the decision that you thought your heart was telling you to do and then a couple weeks later, a couple minutes later, or a couple years later, you're like, man, why did I do that? My heart wanted me to. That's why Jesus says in the New Testament to love him with all your heart, soul, mind, and strength because you, you need to give him everything because without him, we are all hopeless. Particularly in the world that we're living in today, we're finding that there's a lot of gray areas that our culture is selling to us. There's a lot of gray areas that Christianity is finding themselves revolved around in. And we're starting a new series this morning called Truth in the World of Gray. And a couple of weeks ago, we had a creative team meeting the second week of July. We began, I, I, I came to my team and I was like, hey, I think that I want to do a series on this. Let's talk about what this would look like. And I want to share some scripture with you really quickly, if you'll remain standing. This is, this is basically the foundation of where this series is going. This is where it came from, the idea. We won't read this scripture every week, but I want you to know the basis behind what we're going to be talking about as we talk about truth in a world of gray. And the idea behind that is that our world is constantly pressing us with every news article, every political scheme, uh, scheme every breaking headline, cultural norms that are just basically insanity. They're not normal. And so what we want to do over the next four weeks is take the Bible and make that our lens for how we see things. And the idea comes from Philippians chapter 3, verse 20. Paul's writing there, he says, But we are citizens of heaven. That word we there, he's talking to Christ followers. Now, I don't want to separate. If you're here this morning, you're not a Christian. We're so glad you're here. There's no prerequisite to be a part of what God is doing here. But specifically, Paul is talking to some Christians. And he says, but we are citizens of heaven where the Lord Jesus Christ lives. And listen, and we are eagerly waiting for him to return. Notice Paul says, as our Savior. Because you remember when Jesus came to earth, he came as a baby in a manger. But see, when he comes back for us again, he's already a redeemed Savior. When he was going up to Jerusalem, do you remember he borrowed somebody's donkey and rode into town so humbly, but this time when he comes back, he'll be wearing a white robe dipped in blood coming for those of us who have been made new. And we ought to wait eagerly until he returns eagerly until he returns. Verse 21. Listen, he will take our weak mortal bodies and keep this in context that we are citizens of heaven. We have weak mortal bodies because you've heard this before. This is not really our home. This is not really our home. We get so caught up in making money for next week and having nice things and that's great. And you should do that. But really our life on earth is about like this right here. And we're created for eternity. You get so jacked up about what's going to happen next Tuesday that you can hardly think past that. We are weak without Christ. 
And he is coming back to get those of us who are his. And he will change our bodies into glorious, glorious bodies like his own. Listen, using the same power with which he will bring everything under his control. You could say it like, God, your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Because someday he will reign and he will be the only king that reigns on this earth. And so this is, the, this is the, the foundational scripture for where we're going over the next four weeks is that there's so much gray area that we have to live in that society presses upon us. And honestly, Christianity presses so much gray area on us, we become legalistic and, and we're jaded. So this morning, in the next couple of weeks, we're going to learn to take the Bible as our filter and make it our lens for truth. Does anybody need some encouragement this morning? Does anybody need to be uplifted? Anybody want to leave here feeling better than you came in? Is that anybody? Let's celebrate that. Amen. You may be seated. Thank you, worship team. Thank you, worship team. Sounding good this morning. Well, if I've not met you, my name is Peyton. I'm the lead pastor here at City Lights, and we're so excited about all that God's doing. We are starting this new series, Truth in a World of Gray. I believe it's going to be very thought provocative for many of you, and um, I'm just encouraged to kind of get right into it. And so this morning, if you're taking notes, I want to talk with you a little bit about the subject of tear my heart out. Tear my heart out. And uh, let me ask you guys a question. Like typically when I try to do an introduction for a message, I try to like set things up so you guys can, I can just walk you into it. But I just want to go ahead and tell you this morning, Okay. We're talking about sex today, okay? We're talking about sex. So uh, there's no way to kind of ease into that one, no pun intended. We're just, we're talking about sex today. And how many of you know that cultural, culture tries to sell sex to us? I mean, my goodness, honestly, I'm so glad that I'm not a woman for numerous reasons. Um, I love my wife. She's a woman. I love women. But I just think women have it really tough because there's a certain image that women should be portrayed as, especially young girls. I mean, good Lord, the, the pressure that's put on them the pressures that's put on moms, just women in general. It's ridiculous, the pressure that the world puts on you. But culture tries to sell us sex. Let me give you an example. How many, and don't lie to me this morning, okay? Don't lie to the preacher. How many of you heard about the movie that came out last year called Magic, Magic Mike Double XL? Don't lie, you all heard about it. <laughs> all the women raised their hands. That's my point exactly. What's crazy about that is five days into that, and there's been movies that have grossed more, but five days into the ticket selling for that, they had sold $26.5 million worth of tickets. Here's what's even crazier. $25.5 million of that, due to a report, came from women buying tickets. So 96% of women went to see that movie. And I, I want to say that to say this. A lot of times when you think of like sexual temptation and, and lust, you often think of men. But it really, it goes both ways. It goes both ways. And what we're going to see this morning, kind of like what I want to call my bottom line is this. Sex outside of God's boundaries tears my heart out. Sex outside, you're quiet now. You were, everything was funny when I first started talking, but now I'm getting serious. Can you bring me down over here a little bit? Sex outside of God's boundaries tears my heart out. And what I want you to know is this. Listen, sex inside of God's boundaries is a good thing. Sex inside of marriage is a good thing. Amen? The front row is with me, so apparently, <laughs> apparently me and the front row, we're all living in God's will together. Everybody else is not. I'm the only one living like Jesus up here. 
Sex inside his boundaries is a good thing. Sex outside of it tears my heart out. Now back to Magic Mike and how Coulter tries to sell us sex. I want to be honest with you, and you be honest with yourself. The movie's called Magic Mike Double XL. How many women do you think would have went and saw that movie if it was called Magic Mike Extra Small? Five or six percent. We had some people in our volunteer service say, that's Channing Tatum. I'd still go, whatever his name is. And I said, you're a bunch of freaks if you're going. But would they have sold $26 million worth of tickets if it was called Extra Small? No, they wouldn't have. They wouldn't have. And I'm not like, I don't want you to feel like convicted like you're going to hell if you went and saw the movie. But I'm just saying that's my point. Culture tries to sell it to us and we embrace it. And what I want, here's the gray area that I'm talking about. The gray area is sexual temptation that our world really promotes promiscuous behavior. And I want you to know, it'd be really easy for me to be Larry Legalist this morning and tell you everything that you shouldn't do and how guilty you are if you've ever had sex outside of marriage or anything like that. And fortunately for you and me, I'm not Jesus. And my job is not to condemn you because he didn't and I won't. But what I want to show you is, is that God designed sex It's a great thing. It's a wonderful thing. But outside of his boundaries, it tears my heart out. Now, I want to say something right now at the beginning, and I think I can bring us back to it at the end, and it may be a little weird for you, okay? Especially if you're churchy, it's going to be really weird. If you're not churchy, you're going to think I'm crazy and probably be like, why did I come to this church and school anyway? But I think I can show you at the end that our sexual relationship with our partner is very symbolic of God's love for us. Our sexual relationship with our partner is symbolic of God's love for us. Now, don't be thinking about anything crazy. I know we don't be thinking outside of the box. Let's just kind of hang tight. But I think I can bring us back to that, that sex is relatable to our relationship with God. There is a particular chapter in the Old Testament, the book of Proverbs, that deals specifically with sexual temptation. And I want us to take the rest of our time this morning to look at that. But I also want to make sure that you understand this, that really when it comes to sexual temptation, I'm speaking of general terms this morning, okay? I can't, I don't have enough time to cover everything. And if you think, well, why didn't he say this? Or he should have said this. I just don't have enough time. But I think God has prepared, prepared a really good word for us. And there's two things that I want you to know when it comes to sexual temptation. Generally speaking, there's physical sexual temptation, which is often how men work. We are visual creatures, we see something and we can lust. So for example, like before I even knew my wife, I was physically attracted to her. Does that make sense? I didn't know her. I was just attracted to her. For women, it can be that. It, that the physical attraction can be there, the lust that way. But a lot of times what happens for women is it starts out as, as an emotional sexual temptation. So a man's giving her attention. He's saying the right words or they're, they're hanging out in the break room at work, or they're chatting on Facebook. Women can have it, and men can have it that way, but typically speaking, how it goes is men are physically uh, tem- tempted by visuals of women, and for women it can be that, but a lot of times it's the emotional that starts first. And what we're going to see in Proverbs chapter 5 this morning, if you don't have a Bible, don't worry, we're going to have it up on the screen. If you're here this morning and you don't have a Bible at all, we would love to give you one as you're leaving. You can stop by the Next Steps table. We have free Bibles there. If you know someone that doesn't have one, please stop by there and take it for them. But we're in Proverbs chapter 5 this morning, and, and the guy that's speaking here, his name is Solomon. Anybody ever heard of King David? He fought Goliath. It's his son. 
And, and he's speaking to his sons. And what you're going to see in here is there's some literal truths and there's some metaphorical truths. And that's why I'm saying we're speaking in general terms today. We're going to kind of go down a narrow path that I feel like can apply to everybody. And listen, I'm talking if you're in here and you're single, if you're married, if you're divorced and remarried, or you're divorced and dating again, or you're like burnt out and saying, I'm never dating anybody again. I'm talking to everybody in here. Because what I know is this, there could be virgins in here this morning and you're thinking, why should I even wait? All my friends are doing it. Everybody's doing it. I want to do it. Maybe you're in here and you've been divorced and you're starting to look again. You're thinking, does God's principles really apply to me? I mean, I'm growing in my life. I'm starting over. Doesn't he understand? I mean, God understands my heart, right? God understands my heart. The problem is, is God does understand it, but you don't because it's wickedly deceitful. So I'm talking to everybody in here. And we're not just talking about adultery when people are married. Let me, can I just clarify? This is, I'm teaching today a little bit is what I'm doing. I'm teaching. A lot of times when we think of adultery, we think of there's a man and a woman, and one of them is unfaithful to the other, some kind of affair, if you will, and we call that person adulterer and adulteress. That's true. But did you know if you study Scripture, the context of Scripture is that sex is supposed to be inside of marriage. So if a single person has sex outside of marriage, you too are an adulterer, an adulteress. Here's the good news, though. Do you remember the story of when the adulterous woman was brought before Jesus and they were like, hey, condemn her? Basically what the woman was, well, I don't want to say it, but she was a bad mamma jamma. She was a bad mamma jamma. And Jesus, what did he do? He didn't condemn her. He didn't judge her. He loved her. And so I'm here. I'm not condemning you. If you're like actively having sex right now with somebody you're not married to, I'm not, you know, if you're, or if you've had sex with tons of different partners and now you're feeling guilty about it, I'm not here to do any of that. I just want to show you some boundaries that you should live by that are good even if you're not a Christian, okay? There are many scholars and people who have read the book of Proverbs that say, you know what? I'm not really into that Jesus, but there's some good practical advice here. So this is why I think this is going to be applicable, even if you're a Christian or not. It's just good stuff to live by, but particularly if you are a Christ follower, this is God's boundaries for sex. We're in Proverbs chapter 5. Solomon's talking there. He says, my son, pay attention to my wisdom. Listen carefully to my wise counsel. Listen, then you will show discernment and your lips will express what you've learned. For the lips of an immoral woman. Now, what I want to do then is I want to take this immoral woman and I want you to replace it with sexual temptation. So it could be read like this. Sexual temptation is as sweet as honey and the mouth is smoother than oil. When you think of this immoral woman, I want you to think about sexual temptation. And did you know, I want us to make sure we're all on the same page here. Every person can battle and probably does battle sexual temptation. If you're here and you've been with one partner or you're faithful with the one you're with right now, you should be, but we all face it. If you took a man and a woman and put them on an island for any extended period of time, it is in our nature to have that sexual desire. That's why when people have sex with one another or you see these affairs, you think, how could that happen? It's because they went outside the boundaries of God. 
God actually, I mean, listen, let's just thank Jesus this morning for the gift of sex inside his boundaries. Don't be so weird, good Lord. I mean, I'm just reading scripture. Don't blame it on the pastor, okay? I'm just reading scripture this morning. But sex is a good thing. It's a good thing. But there's the sexual temptation, it creeps in. And what it says is it's, it's smooth and it's seductive and it seems so right. It seems so good. When the Powerball went up a couple weeks ago to one and a half billion dollars, I was really tempted to buy some tickets. Now, I just want to clarify, if you bought some, I don't think you're a bad person. We talked earlier in our volunteer service, actually had someone from our church say, hey, if I win the Powerball, will the church accept my tithe? I said, you better believe we'll accept your tithe. The devil would use it, why the crap won't we? So yes, if you ever win the Powerball, just bring it on down here, and we'll take it. And we'll put it to good use, in Jesus' name. But I was really tempted to buy some Powerball tickets. Now, I don't think you're, I mean, listen, do I think it's a wise idea to always do it? No, I don't. You're just throwing money away, but I'm not legal, Larry, and whatever. That's up to you. But um, I didn't, ultimately for numerous reasons, because I'm always afraid like I'll really win, and I'm like, crap, I'm the pastor of this new church town. How am I going to cash this tick without people giving me hell for playing? And then I was like, okay, well, if I do win, I don't trust anybody to do it, to cash it, because I'll take my money and run. This is all like a 10-second span. So then I walk out pissed off because I've not bought one. Now I have no chance of winning. So y'all have a good day, okay? But I wanted to buy a ticket. And, but what I knew is that it was, it was a big risk. And most of the time, like there's a small chance, like the, you know, the dumb and dumb are like, so you're saying there's a chance. No, there's a small one, but most of the time you lose. With sexual temptation, anytime you give in, you always lose. You always lose anytime you give in to sexual temptation. Look at verse four. Listen, but in the end, sexual temptation is as bitter as poison, as dangerous as dangerous as a double-edged sword. Take me on, verse five. Listen, her feet go down to death. Her steps lead straight to the grave. Let me ask you something. You don't have to raise your hand, but do you know anybody that's been infected? by pursuing sexual temptation outside of God's boundaries. If you have, most likely, it has impacted that family dramatically. Agreed. Because in the end, outside of God's boundaries, you never win. You never win. You never win. Her feet go down to death. Her steps lead straight to the grave. Verse 6. Listen, for she cares nothing about the path to life. Nothing. Sexual temptation, you're trying to feel an immediate desire that has a lasting consequence. Listen, she staggers down a crooked trail and doesn't even realize. You, do you understand that like the... Uh, in the New Testament, First John, I believe, he talks about how the sway of the world is under the evil one, the sway. What it means is there are systems really set up that oppose or counterintuitive to the way Christians should live. Like we are, as soon as we're born, we're like, we're up against the wall of sin, these systems in place, 
Do you know what I'm talking about? It's like, I'm just being honest with you. It's like when you're watching a football game, anybody going to watch the Super Bowl this evening? Yeah, 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 yeah. It's when that cameraman pans over to the cheerleader with a low-cut shirt on. And there's, because she's a good cheerleader. We'll get a picture of her. <laughs> That's what I'm talking about. We're just, we're constantly up against these things. We're constantly up against these things. Verse seven. Listen, so now my sons, you can almost listen, you can almost like sense the, the urgency of Solomon saying, hey, listen to me. And might we add that Solomon had hundreds of wives and concubines. Cray cray, in my opinion. Crazy, crazy. My, so now my sense, he's saying, listen, I know from experience, never stray from what I'm about to say, verse eight. Stay away from her. Leave me here for a moment. It says, don't go near the door of her house. Talking about sexual temptation. So for men, it could be like this. You don't need to open up that computer screen when you're by yourself. Or you need to get some accountability software. You need to give your wife access to your phone. Don't go near it. For women, it could be like this. Hey, you need to stop going by that break room to see if he's there getting a cup of coffee. You need to stop seeing what he's posting on Facebook all the time. And listen, there's nothing, I want to say this, there's nothing wrong with acknowledging beautiful people. I told our volunteers, because y'all do it every Sunday. You have to look at me. And I know some of y'all are wondering, is it a sin to look at my pastor and think, wow. (laughs) And no, it's not. God's good, right? My wife's back there. Hey, babe. It's not a sin to acknowledge beautiful people. It's not. I mean, we're created in the image of God. There's nothing wrong with acknowledging if you go to the movies and you see a good-looking guy and you think, man, there's nothing wrong with that. But what happens is, and I'm speaking from a man's perspective, what often happens with the sexual temptation and the acknowledgement of beauty is this. We see a woman walk by and, you know, our heads turn or whatever, and we see her. That first glance, listen to me, there's nothing wrong with acknowledging beautiful people. There's not. We're creating the image of God. It's a good thing. But what happens for a man is when he sees her walk by, he glances over to see if his girlfriend or wife's looking, and he takes that second glance back. And men, you know what I'm talking about, so don't act like you don't. But on that second look, you start imagining what she'd look like without her clothes on. You know what I'm talking about. You can go from seeing her to having sex with her in your mind just like that. And you know what Jesus said in the New Testament? He said, if you look at a woman, and it's, it's a man too, okay? He's talking, to, he's talking to men here, but the application is true for women. If you look at a person lustfully with your eyes, you've committed it in your heart. Job 31 one says, I have made a covenant with my eyes not to look lustfully upon a woman. Who all has daughters in here? I'm talking to men. Women, that's fine too. Men. You want somebody looking at your daughter having eye sex with her when she walks around? That makes me want to punch somebody just thinking about it. Because you're looking at somebody's daughter. I want to fight right now. (laughs) I don't even know why. So it's not 
a bad thing to acknowledge beauty. It's when you take that second look or that second glance or you begin thinking about how, man, if I was with him, he would just satisfy me. And don't think you're not susceptible to it because we all are. Pride comes right before the what? Verse 9. Listen, he says, if, so if you do, if you pursue this sexual temptation, listen, you will lose honor and you will lose to merciless, let me hear, people, all you have achieved. Anytime you give in to sexual temptation outside of God's boundaries, you lose. Agreed. You lose. If you're single, you say, well, it's not costing me my marriage. Well, it'll cost you your heart. Because see, sex outside of boundary, uh, God's boundaries tears my heart out. You lose everything every time you give into it. And this is, so here, here, let me ask you, this is, let me tell you what I'm wanting you all to receive from this message is, I want you to understand that in the freedom of Christ, in the grace that abounds where sin is found, is that God wants us to live a particular way. It's not like we can just go out and live like hell and be crazy and be like you and God are fist bumping all the time. Here's the good news if you are living like hell and crazy all the time. God's willing to fist bump you. But there has to be like a standard. And one of my prayers for this church, our community, is that we would raise up just a little bit more. That we would conduct ourselves with a little bit better behavior. Right? That we would, anybody have kids and city kids this morning? That we would raise up men and women who would respect their bodies and not give it away every time somebody gives them a little bit of attention. Is that too much to ask? I mean, I think that's a good principle, even if you're not a Christian. And here's the deal. We all face this temptation of sexual temptation. We all do. We all do. So maybe you're sitting here this morning, you're, you know, no, I don't. Well, like I said, sexual temptation is always physical. Sometimes it's emotional. I want you to listen to what Paul told the church in Corinth. This is 1 Corinthians chapter 10, verse 13. He says, the temptations in your life are no different from what others experience. Other translations say, no temptation has overtaken you except what is common to humanity. Meaning, newsflash. Anybody ever felt like, or you know somebody, it's like, why is God always doing this to me? Why is God doing this to me? You're not facing anything that nobody else is not going through. There's nothing special about you by yourself that God was like, you know what? I'm just going to drop all on this to you today. Now, that may not bring you comfort when you're going through the pain and turmoil. But you're not facing anything that nobody else goes through. Look, and it says, and God is faithful. Who's faithful? You? God. Look, he, listen, this is, we need to make sure we understand this. He will not allow the temptation to be more than you can bear. Who will not allow it to be more than you can bear? Him. Anybody ever said or heard someone say, God won't put anything on me more than I can handle? That's BS. I'm cussing, talking about sex. Welcome to church this morning. The context is, in God, you won't go through anything that you can't handle. You go through every day handling stuff that you can't really deal with. Am I preaching? 
So next time you hear somebody say that, you need to make sure that they understand that the context is in Christ. He won't put more more on you than you can bear. Because honestly, you can't make a single decision without him. Next part of this, and look what it says. When you are tempted, hey, notice this. This is really, I like this when I was reading this. This kind of stood out to me. It doesn't say, so if you get tempted, or should you get tempted because you're so holy and you go to church every single week. It says, when you are tempted. When. And this is not just talking about sexual temptation. This is temptation in general. It's pride. It's to be a little greedy with your money. It's to be a little greedy with your time. It's to not give back the change that God bless her heart, the girl at Burger King, when she gives you too much money back because you confused her by giving her 13 cents. <laughs> when you are tempted, because you will be tempted, he will, listen, he will show you. Notice it does not say he will pull you. Not that he will lead you. He will show you. Because God will help you win the battle, but you better be ready to march all night. I want to skip down a couple more verses, getting back to our story. And I want you to listen how the kind of the dynamics change as we take, go back to Proverbs chapter 5. Listen to what he's saying here. This is kind of where we get in this kind of metaphorical, figurative speech. He says, drink water from your own well. Now listen, he started off talking about sexual temptation and sex. Now, now he goes to share your love only with your wife. So here's what we see is this, is that sex is intended to be inside of marriage. Sex is intended to be inside of water from your own will. Share your love Because it was never just intended to be just a pleasurable thing. Pleasurable thing is to be love. Verse 16. Now listen. I told our people this. You don't have to have a theological degree to understand what Solomon's fixing to say here, okay? So if you have a dirty mind and you think, did he just say what I think he said? The answer is yes, okay? Why spill the water of your springs in the streets? Well, that's one way to say it. If you want to say that, Solomon, that's one way to say it. Why would you want to spill the water of your springs in the streets? Now, listen to what he says here. Having sex with just anyone. Do you notice how when he's talking about the confines of marriage, it's called love, but when it's outside of that, he calls it sex? Why do you suppose that is? Because it's intended to be inside the boundaries of marriage. In fact, as your pastor, for those of you who have given me that privilege and you are married, I want you to go home and have some sex today in Jesus' name. Amen? (laughs) Amen? But don't be thinking of me while you're doing it. That's all I'm saying. Don't be like, I love my pastor. He gives such good advice. You need to come to my church. It's a good thing. It's a good thing. But why would you just do it with anyone? Why would you just do it with anyone? Verse 17. Listen, you should reserve it for yourselves. Never, never share it with strangers. Now, I want to make sure that we understand what we're talking about here. 
When he says never share it with strangers, he's not just talking about people you don't know. And he is talking about the context of uh, polygamy, orgies, things of that nature, threesomes and so forth. But he's not just talking about people you don't know. He's talking about strangers who are not a part of your covenant. Right? The Bible speaks numerous times about polygamy and multiple relationships. And you should know this. You cannot find one case of study in there where it ends out well. You can't. Because God intended it to be for two. Three's company. Anybody ever watch that show? I used to. It's a good show. Verse 18. Listen, let your wife... So now, here we go, like... This is, I'm not trying to like, you know, listen, if you're here this morning and you're not married, you're living with someone or you're, you're single and you're like, you're actively having sex and all that stuff, I'm not telling you that like you're a bad person. You are. <laughs> not for that though. Because apart from Christ, none of us are good. Not one. Not even me. Shocker for some of you. <laughs> but none of us are good. Listen, your sin doesn't make you a bad person. You're a sinner. So your behavior is really, I don't want to say irrelevant, irrelevant, but it's secondary to your nature. Does that make sense? And that's where religious people, religion, they'll try to condemn you for your behavior. They want to point out the, the symptoms of your sin nature, and that is sex outside of God's marriage, smoking cigarettes, not coming to church, blah, 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 blah. But what we need is a savior to make us right, not our behavior. Nobody in here. I don't care. I don't know. Whoever gave the most during the offering, you're no different than the person that gave nothing and knew they could have. God still loves you. If this is your first time to church and forever, you're deeply as loved as I am by our Father. That's good news, right? That's the news we need to be sharing with people instead of turning them off from Jesus. He's a good, good father. So the, 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 the truth then is, is there's this gray area in our world that says like sex can just be this good thing where everybody's just flowing in land of honey and smoky dopey and let's have a little fun. <laughs> and while that sounds fun, it's outside the boundaries. That's not the truth. It's not the truth. Let your wife be a fountain of blessing. And here again, the boundaries inside marriage. Let your wife be a fountain of blessing for you. Listen, rejoice in the wife of your youth. Verse 19. Now I want y'all to imagine this. Imagine I woke up this morning and I was feeling like being in God's will with my wife. That's a polite way to say it. And I said, Ariel, you're a loving deer. You're a graceful doe. And while we're speaking about deers, you've got a great rack. <laughs> do, you feel like, do you feel like being obedient to the Lord this morning, baby? <laughs> Probably wouldn't work out for me, I can tell you that right now. But this is the context of how they spoke, okay? She is a loving deer, a graceful doe. Let her breast satisfy you always. Can I get an amen from my married men this morning for boobs? <laughs> breast, breast around. Don't be so shy. Don't be so weird like that. It's God's word. 
I just want to be obedient to the Word of God this morning. (laughs) Don't call me this afternoon. I'll call you, okay? (laughs) Let her breath satisfy you always. Listen, now this is where it gets good, okay? Hang with me. May you always be captivated. Say this last word with me. May you always be captivated by her love. Sounded so good this morning. Notice it doesn't say, may you always be captivated by her body. May you always be captivated by her sexual desire for you. Because time, along with gravity, changes things, right? (laughs) May you always be captivated by her love. So listen, sexual temptation... Sex outside of God's boundaries is always spoken of as sex. Sex in his boundary is called love. Do you see the difference? Now, what's interesting about this, hang with me here. It says, may you always be captivated by her love. Now, I got to thinking about this, and there's something really interesting about that word love. Like, why would, why would Solomon, when he's clearly talking about like sex and sexual temptation and avoiding it, why would he kind of take this route of, you know, be captivated by her love? And so I got thinking and got studying a little bit. This word love in Hebrew, which is what the Old Testament is primarily written in, you got Genesis to Malachi, kind of written in Hebrew, the Old Testament, and you have New Testament, Matthew to Revelation, which is mainly in Greek. So in Hebrew, this word love is called ahava. And what it means is to create and to give. So it could be said that love is created. Let me ask you something. Have you ever fell in love with someone and then fell out of love with them? It's because love is created and it must be maintained to sustain. Did the Father create us or fall in love with us? He created. He gave us life. Now, this is why this is interesting. Remember, the word is ahava, love. Now, when you take a word from Hebrew to Greek and other um, languages, there's not always what you would call a literal translation. Are you with me? Like you say in French, this this means this. It translates to English and this. Are you with me? But sometimes there is what you call a transliteration. Basically, like what we know, the closest thing it would be. So in this Hebrew word, ahava, in the New Testament, the equivalent word is, in Greek, called agape. And agape means unconditional love. So it's interesting. Then we see that love is to be created, to be given. That means this, men. If we are to be captivated by her love, which is something we create and give, you ought to be able to enjoy your wife outside of the bedroom or the couch for some of you weirdos or whatever it is y'all do. The Spirit convicting you when I said that? <laughs> we ought to be able to enjoy our wives outside the pleasure of sex. But the New Testament word agape is found in Ephesians 5.25. The same word that's spoken right here in Hebrew, take us there, is found in Uh, Ephesians, where uh, Paul says, listen, love your wives just as Christ loved the church. Do you remember at the very beginning of the message I said that the way our sexuality is lived out is symbolic of how God loves us and our relationship with him? And you were thinking, this dude's a freak. And that's weird. I don't even want to think about sex and God at the same time. The 
The way that you treat your sexuality is symbolic of how Christ loves you. Because see, sex is more than just a a feeling and a pleasure. It's something inside of his boundary that was designed for a covenant. This morning, if you're here and you don't follow Jesus, you don't believe in him, you're skeptical of the church, that's okay. But I want you to know that you were created and designed to be in a covenant with him. And here's what happens. God has set up certain boundaries for us. And anytime we get outside of those boundaries, we tear our heart apart. See, God designed sex to be a good thing. He designed for it to be inside marriage. And anytime you step outside of that boundary, you have one not stand. You begin to tear your heart apart. Anytime, men, you're somewhere with your wife and she goes to the restroom and you're waiting on her and you see a beautiful woman walk by and you're thinking about the color of her underwear, you begin to tear your heart out. Women, you and your husband are fighting and you, and you know that you love him, but you begin thinking, if I just had somebody that could meet my emotional needs, you begin to tear your heart out. You begin to lust over another relationship that seems like it's going better than yours, your marriage. Man, you get on that computer screen and you, it's not going to hurt anybody. Nobody's even going to know. I'm going to erase my browser. They'll never even know I was there. You just begin to tear and tear and tear and tear. And then what happens is this. This is what you're left with. And you go into your next relationship. And maybe you're here this morning, and this is you. And so you're thinking, Pastor, am I damaged goods? Am I damaged goods? Because I've been tearing my heart out. I've been unfaithful to the boundary that God has designed. And this is me. I've tore my own heart out. Here's good news. For all in the house, regardless of what your struggle is, if it is sexual temptation and lust and you've been unfaithful or you're single and you're just giving your body away and you've tore your heart out, if you come before Jesus and you give him everything you have, which is nothing but all of you, gives us a new heart he gives us a new heart so good he wants to make you whole this morning and do you know how he gives you this new heart he creates it the psalmist David after having an affair with Bathsheba. This is so good. The Spirit of the Lord just showed me this. Can I tell you? After sleeping with Bathsheba and having her husband killed, David begins to confess before the Lord, and he says something. He says, God, create in me a clean 
heart. Production team, hang with me on this. I feel the Spirit of the Lord anointing me now. After having this affair, he, he understands the wrong that he has done, how he's been outside the boundaries of God, and he says, I've tore my heart apart. He says, create in me a clean heart. The word that he uses for create there is the exact same word that Moses uses in Genesis chapter 1 when he talks about God creating the earth. My point is this. This you do. This only God can do. I really wish you'd just clap your hands right now and celebrate that God gives us a new heart. No matter what you're going through, no matter what you've been through, God gives you this. There is no condemnation in Him. There is no judgment. There is righteousness. There is forgiveness. And it abounds where He is found. What I'm completely aware of this morning is that we all sit in here with some of our heart tore apart. Some of it's been self-induced and some of it's been years and years and years and years of tearing it out. But this morning, this moment... He is ready. He's ready to give you a new heart. Jesus in heaven, we thank you for this day. We thank you that you give us new hearts. God, we thank you that your grace abounds where our sin is found. We thank you, Lord, that you are a Father in heaven who can do something in us that only you can do. And that in spite of ourselves, God, you give us a new heart. This morning, God, we call upon you to fix our broken and torn hearts. God, we give it to you. In Jesus' name, will you?